Welcome to the Books and Travel podcast. I'm Jo Francis-Penn, thriller and dark fantasy author, bringing you escape and inspiration about unusual and fascinating places, as well as the deeper side of books and travel. You can find the episode show notes at booksandtravel.page, and if you enjoy thrillers set in international locations, download one of my ebooks for free at jfpen.com forward slash free. Hello, travellers. I'm Jo Francis Penn, and this is a solo show on Walk Your Own Race Lessons Learned from Walking a 50 kilometer Ultramarathon in One Day. Basically, I recently did the Chilton Challenge 50k and I've talked about this on my other podcast, uh, the Creative Pen Podcast, and a whole load of people asked me questions about it. So I thought I would do this solo show on some of the things that I do to prepare and also some lessons learned. Let's start with a quote from Edmund Hillary. It's not the mountain we conquer, it's ourselves. So as I write this and record this, I've started four ultramarathons and finished three of them. I did the Race to the Stones 100 kilometres in a weekend, so 50k then sleep then 50k in 2016. I did the Cotswold Way 50k in 2017. I started the Isle of Wight in 2018 and I dropped out at 22 kilometres, which I'll talk about later. And I also recently did the Chilton Challenge 50k. All of these are in England. And I've learned something new each time. And this most recent event went so perfectly, I figured I actually had something to share at this point. So in this episode, I will be talking about why would you want to do an ultramarathon anyway, preparation and practical tips, the event day itself, and then some lessons learned. Walk, run, live your own race. Enjoy the journey, not just the destination. Sometimes it's okay to give up the importance of self-care. What's your next challenge? and some recommended books on walking. So why would you want to do an ultramarathon anyway? If you're goal-orientated, as I am, it's a good way to challenge yourself. I also like to push my comfort zone regularly. Otherwise, I end up enjoying comfort too much and I'll never go anywhere. (laughs) In this pandemic year, I feel like I've been cooped up in the house for months, unable to stray too far. Now, of course, I haven't just been in the house, but I haven't been able to travel as much. And none of us have, of course. It's been a very strange year. And I felt recently that I really needed to get out and do something different, that I needed to push out the boundaries of what I was doing or I was going to get a little bit mad. (laughs) Booking an event also gives you a deadline. It gives you accountability, especially if you tell others that you're doing it. Because of course, you can walk 50k without telling anyone if you like, or you can do it over a week, you can do it over a month. Uh, There are lots of different things. But an event on a particular day gives you a deadline. And of course, things might change, events might get cancelled. But if you don't book them, they will never happen. And I've learned this year, I've really learned to snatch adventure and snatch experience when I can and take advantage of any window of good weather or good luck to get out into nature. These organised events are also a great way to see a different part of the country. So whether you're doing one locally to you, which is probably what most people will be doing this year, but they're also very well supervised 
The routes are well marked, uh, so you're never in danger of getting lost or getting hurt, which are some of the things that stop people doing a longer walk because they're worried about navigation or getting lost. And this means basically you don't have to think about that stuff. It's all done for you. There are medics at every stop and there are rest stops. There's food. Normally lots of food, (laughs) lots of sweeties and cakes and things. It's never particularly healthy food, to be honest. But when you're doing these longer walks, sometimes you just need some sugar. You can also drop out any time and many, well, not any time, you need to generally get to a rest stop, although there are always marshals who walk the route and will pick up any person who's really struggling along the way. So it's just very safe. It's a safe way of doing something that will push your limits, but not to a point where it's unsafe. The event that I just did, the uh, Chilton Challenge in September 2020, was also the first COVID secure mass event. There were about, I think, 1500 people booked on it with masks, sanitizers, social distancing. Everyone had to start. Usually these things have a sort of they blow a horn and groups start together. But this was very much everyone had to start separately or in very small bubbles. So it was COVID secure. It And I felt very safe in every single way. I've done events here in the UK with Threshold Trail Series and Ultra Challenge. And I'm linking to all of this in the show notes. There's also lots of pictures in the show notes of various events I've done. So Threshold Trail and Ultra Challenge are UK-based events uh, that go across most of the year, to be honest. And I recommend both companies and I'm, I want to tick off. Once you start doing this stuff, it gets quite addictive and I'm going through ticking things off along the way. So have a look wherever you're based in the world. If you look for Ultra Challenge or long distance walking, if you want to walk Most of these you can also run. So if you're a runner, then you could run them instead. And as you can often do different distances. So you can do a half, the half event, which would be 25k. You don't have to do like the 50 or 100. So you can uh, pace yourself over time. So why else would you want to do it? I find that long distance walking gives me insights that I don't get with shorter walks. And for that insights into myself, insights into stuff that I'm thinking about, like life stuff. When you're walking for longer, there's time to sink down into your physical self and to become more aware of your body in nature. And your mind will move into more of this meditative state. Now, I'm not somebody who meditates in in the sense of sitting and meditating. I But I definitely find a form of meditation in walking, and that is a valid form of meditation. It's a repetitive action in the same way, I guess, your breath when you're doing, uh, have a meditation practice. And it moves me into a different state. It's very hard to explain, but I feel like I don't get that with a shorter walk. I guess anything less than about 15 kilometres, I'm still busy with all the thoughts that are going on, thinking about the shopping list or what's for dinner or just practical lifey things. But when you go a bit longer, these other thoughts emerge. And you're also disconnected from the online world. You can't answer email, especially with walking, you're moving, you're you're not going to, I use my phone for taking pictures, but you're not going to check your email, you're not going to, I turn it, I never have phone calls or obviously you can text with people if you want and stuff like that but it's just a great time of disconnection and I feel like there's no expectation either it's one foot after another and 
All I need to do is walk. And at the end, all I want to do is eat and sleep. And that is a very restful experience. And you will sleep super well after these long events. I I hardly ever sleep the night before, to be honest. I sleep very badly the night before because there's a little bit of excitement and adrenaline. And you're like, oh, I need to get up on time and all of that. But that's just the way it goes. So another reason is that I am a 45-year-old writer (laughs) and I feel like I've spent so much of my life in my head. I've only really become aware of what my body can do in the last, let's say, five years. And I took my body for granted for a long time. And maybe we all do up until we hit our 40s. We're like, oh, I can just do anything I want. And But I've also valued my brain over my physical self. But I think you get into your 40s and obviously later in life as well, things start getting aches and pains. You start getting different changes that go on and you're like, okay, I'm not going to take this for granted anymore. I'm grateful for my ability to be able to explore this way, to get out in the world. And I want to make the most of it because clearly there will come a time at some point when I'm not as physically able as I am now. And I want to make the most of it. Also, I feel like if I start doing this now, I should become more physically able as I get older. So that's another thing. I I want to make the most of my life and what I can do. So preparation and practical tips. So most organised events will have all the guidance you need for preparation, which is again another benefit of doing an organised event. For example, a training plan and a kit list. So you have all the information well in advance. And that training plan might be four months out. You should be able to walk this distance and or run this distance. So you really can plan your training around what they recommend. And I've always found it to be a pretty gentle training plan, to be honest. They'll also give you this kit list so you know uh, what to take. And in the show notes, I'll link to my own kit list for a day hike so you can see that. The event planners will also send you the route. You can see the terrain, where the hills are. If you want to check whether it's a particularly hilly route, for example, the Chiltern Challenge that I just did was not hilly at all. There was a few hills, but barely anything, and it was mostly flat or rolling So I knew that it would not be a massively difficult day. The route will be well marked, so you don't need to take a compass or a map or the most of these will have an app that you can download on your phone so you know where you are on the GPS and all of that. You just need to follow markers and they are usually very well lit. They'll have lights on in the dark and or glow sticks so that uh, everything's fine. So if you don't usually walk anywhere, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, that just sounds like a massive thing, then you can work up to an ultra. For example, you start with 5k. There's lots of 5ks in pretty much every neighborhood. And then maybe a 10k, then you could do a half marathon uh, and then work up to a marathon, which is the 42k. And anything beyond a marathon is an ultra. So 50 kilometers is basically about two hours walk after the end of a marathon. And you don't need to have ever done 50k in training before you do the day. I definitely suggest that you should be able to do 35k before 
that 50. But if you can do 35k, uh, then you should be able to get to 50 with uh, some adrenaline and uh, maybe some caffeine, some painkillers. <laughs> if you're going to do multi-day walking, then you do need to train back-to-back days because if you if you do let's say even if you do 25k you're going to have some muscle fatigue and if you do longer than that you're going to wake up the next day and you're going to be stiff and maybe you'll have some pain maybe you'll have some blisters and you need to be able to understand how to deal with that the next day so your training is well we'll talk about this in a minute but your training is part of the process and part of the enjoyment but you need to get used to how these things feel So learn how your body works and optimize your race day accordingly. It will be different for everyone. So I've been working with a personal trainer for the last year and my right hip particularly needs loosening up before a longer walk. So I do specific stretches and I use a tennis ball or something to do that sort of myofascial release and if I don't do that I'll end up with knee pain which is not my knee what it is all the um, the tendons and the muscles tightening up from that hip that then pulls on my knee so I know that if I do that if I do some rolling if I do some uh, specific stretches to release my hips and um, also activate my glutes <laughs> Yeah, but we all have to deal with our bodies. I know that if I do that, then my walk will be much more effective and will be pain-free. Well, not pain-free, but it will be a different kind of pain. There's the, oh dear, this is twingy, not good pain to, oh yeah, my muscles are working. That is uh, sensation. Let's call it sensation. So the other thing I know I need is a lot of black coffee in the morning. So I will sometimes take a flask. So I am highly caffeinated. (laughs) So you have to know how things work best for you. On the event day itself, you'll be given a time slot to set off and that will be based on how fast you're going to walk. So if you're going to be super slow, they'll put you in an early time slot. Uh, But let's say if you need to get the train there or you're you can't make that early slot then you can request a later slot so there will be a time slot and usually I would arrive at least an hour before that time slot there'll be portaloos so you can use the facilities or there might be other facilities there obviously if it's uh, based in more of a centre there'll be tea and coffee and food like seriously there's always food but actually one of my I do my walks mostly I've fasted in the morning at least for the first 25k I just find it easier to and more uh, energized to walk with no food in my stomach but then I use intermittent fasting as part of my normal life so wouldn't recommend starting that on the day of the race <laughs> but certainly make sure that you you can fuel up if you want to there's often places you can get buy food or there'll be food included with the event Uh, there'll also be tea coffee water food at all the rest stops and also the finish there'll be medics there'll be lots of helpful staff there'll be place to sit and rest and wait and eat and of course toilet facilities I've never had an issue with any of the facilities with these organized events I've always found them to be excellent so uh, I know this is something that people worry about so you don't need to carry tons of food definitely carry some Something just in case but I've never had a problem with any of that so also on event day probably the biggest tip is take care of your feet and what's so funny is people told me this 
before and I basically didn't do it well enough until this most recent event, my fourth event. I again, I had a perfect event. I had no blisters. The reason why is because uh, these are my tips. Take your boots off at every stop. Even if you don't feel like you need to take your boots off, even at the first rest stop, which might be at sort of 12k, it might be at 15k. So take your boots off, change your socks, even if you don't feel you need to put talcum powder inside your socks to reduce the moisture even more. And I basically on that last event, I used four pairs of socks. So I changed at the first rest stop, the halfway point, the second and the second rest stop. So essentially, I started wearing one and then I changed it three times. And that was just perfect all with talcum powder inside. And at each rest stop, I took my shoes off. And then what you do is you just check your feet over. So just press along your feet and see if there are any points where you can feel like the skin is rubbing or is the skin red anywhere. And if there is, add your plasters now. Basically add plasters before you get a blister. And I use the specific blister plasters like Compede or similar. There's lots of different kinds, but what what you do is you, that they don't have a, they're not like normal plasters for a cut. They basically, you stick them on and you don't take them off again. They fall off when your skin is healed again. So I put them on and, and of course, Basically, I put some blisters on spots that might have turned into blisters and I didn't get them. Yay! (laughs) So my next tip is to walk with poles. Now, poles help you walk upright and maintain your posture, which kind of helps your back and your hips and everything, as well as taking some of the strain off your legs. So there's some evidence that if you walk with, with the poles, you can actually effectively spread the load across your body. They also help with stability on rocky ground and help you ford a stream if there's a stream or avoid slipping in mud. I love poles. They also keep your fingers from swelling up, which will happen if you keep your hands by your sides for many hours. So I wear gloves to hold my poles. Uh, I wear these little cycling gloves, like fingerless gloves, uh, when it's hot because my hands sweat and you can end up with hand blisters if you don't have gloves. You can also get waterproof gloves if uh, it's going to be wet. Another tip, sometimes you just need some loud music, even if you're not someone who listens to a lot of loud music. (laughs) A full day walk, even through beautiful countryside, can get boring. Uh, Plus, the human body responds well to a good beat. (laughs) So at around 35 kilometres, I start listening to a playlist of kind of epic tracks. I listen to a lot of greatest hits of Queen on the Chiltern Way, which helps get through those final kilometres. I try doing things like, oh, I should listen to an audio book because that would be good. But no, you need something with a good beat or you're just going to slow down. So uh, that can be very helpful. Another tip, you are going to experience some pain and discomfort and sensation. It's a challenge. It's not meant to be easy. Now, I'm not a doctor. This is not health advice. Obviously, check with your medical professional if you're on medication, etc. But I take ibuprofen at around 35k. 35k seems to be a sort of stage for me when I start feeling things. And this ibuprofen reduces inflammation and keeps any muscle or joint pain down. And if you wait 
too late to take painkillers, then it's going to hurt a lot more, obviously. You also have to decide how much pain you're willing to accept in order to achieve your goal. So I did the 100 kilometer race to the stones in 2016. And the first day, the first 50k went reasonably well, but I did not look after my feet. And when I took off my socks, which I had not changed all day at the end of the 50k, I had blisters, my feet swelled up overnight, my blisters were a lot worse than I thought they were. And that night I didn't sleep again. I had a lot of muscle pain and obviously fatigue. So that second day, I got to about 70 kilometers and I was just crying with pain. My blisters had blisters and they burst. It was gross, really. It was horrible. Even with taking some codeine painkillers, which again, I'm not a doctor, not recommending, but I had basically gone to the pharmacist and said, okay, I need some something more than paracetamol, (laughs) just in case. So I phoned my husband and uh, about 70k and said, I just want to stop. And I was crying. And my husband's fantastic, uh, Jonathan. He said, if you don't finish this, you will feel like you failed and you'll just need to do it again. If you finish this, you'll never have to walk 100 kilometres in a weekend again. And that really helped me and also the loud music as well. I decided I would rather take the pain and finish. Now, (laughs) I ended up coming in very last, physically very last, not last in terms of time because I started later than other people. But I came in about 15 minutes after the cutoff time (laughs) with two other guys and we were broken. Like The three of us hobbled over the line, but we finished. A lot of people gave up and didn't finish. And I spent about a week hobbling about on blister feet, super sore muscles, but it was short-lived pain. And I'm really proud of the achievement. And I swore I'd never do another 100k in a weekend. (laughs) I actually wrote that uh, on my other blog at thecreativepen.com. But I booked the Race of the Stones again for this year, 2020, but it was cancelled due to the pandemic. It is rebooked for 2021. So I'm ready to try that challenge again. Now I know how to look after my feet. And also I'm in far better shape than I was back then. So I think, no, I'm going to try it again and see if I can do it more effectively. I don't want to discourage you in terms of talking about the pain, but it is really important to understand that in doing a challenge, a physical challenge, there will be some physical discomfort. And of course, there's lots of things you can do to minimise these uh, this pain and discomfort, but inevitably that's just part of life. And you have to sometimes take the pain to achieve things. So here are some of my life lessons learned from doing these kind of events. So the first one is walk, run or live your own race. Don't judge other people by your standards and don't judge yourself by theirs. Everyone has their own definition of success and their own journey. Decide what you want to achieve and what you will be happy doing and then make the best of your own situation. On an ultra or any kind of physical challenge, there will always be people ahead of you and behind you, as well as people in worse shape and in better shape than you. (laughs) That's just life. Some people started earlier and you will overtake them and you could feel superior. Some people start later and they run past you super fast and you could feel pathetic at being so slow. You will overtake someone younger and heavier than you, panting up a hill. 
Then you will be overtaken by a sprightly pensioner half your size who just seems to be going along at an incredible pace. None of that matters because it's your journey. As in life, you can only live your own way. You can only make your own decisions and your own mistakes. You can only make the most of your body. Only you can decide to carry on or give up. Judging others is inevitable. It's human nature. And I absolutely confess to being like, aha, look at me as I walk past someone who's slower and clearly suffering from blisters. And I'm like, aha, I didn't get any. I'm so good. And then, of course, five minutes later, some sort of 75-year-old runner zooms past and you okay then (laughs) so that absolutely happens but we have to be aware of our judgments and be compassionate with others as well as ourselves if you're passing someone like I remember passing a woman of probably about 47 kilometers we were so close and I she was I as I walked up from behind her I could just see she was having a really bad time and so I stopped for a minute and just said are you okay do you need any uh, painkillers or anything she was like no I'm, I'm gonna get there and uh, that's good you, we have to be compassionate with people and I actually always take extra blister plasters with me on the walk in case people need them and I can give them away I'm not going to give away all of them sometimes it's good to have things like that help people We can be aware of our judgments and be compassionate with others as well as ourselves. And this is also important in the world in this political and this crazy environment that we live in. So are you walking or living or running your own race rather than someone else's? Two, enjoy the journey, not just the destination. Walking gives you time to really see the world. If you run, cycle, drive, train or fly, you don't see the detail you will when you walk. And even if you're walking, you can miss the journey, especially if you keep your eyes down on the path and just slog it out as fast as possible to the finish. Like your event is a race for sure and you will get there faster than someone who dawdles a little, but dawdling is important for experiencing the world. So on this Chiltern walk, I was feeling really great, like I said, and I was like, ah, and I was looking around, taking pictures, saw some fungi and just lovely views and everything. And then we passed through this village of Hambleton and I saw this gorgeous lich gate leading into a beautiful old churchyard, St. Mary uh, the Virgin, which has uh, went back to Saxon times and just gorgeous. So I veered off the path and went to see it. And lots of walkers and runners were just going straight past. And but and of course, it takes a bit longer to go into places now. So I put my mask back on, I sanitized and went inside. And it was just a gorgeous place and had this incredible uh, painted ceiling, which I will uh, link have a picture of in the show notes. That's sort of making the most of the day itself. But there's also the journey to the event the months of training and the walks or the runs you will do to prepare. It's important to enjoy those too and enjoy the process of learning more about what your body can do and what's out there in the world. And during this pandemic year, which of course is very strange, I have walked from my place in Bath around the same three walks. There are three main directions I can go in to do three different walks. And we've rotated those over the lockdown period specifically. But each time there are new things to see and experience as the seasons changed. 
And I changed too. So for example, in the spring, in sort of March, April, when we were first locked down here in the UK, the uh, swans had cygnets on the canal. And there were these, there were seven cygnets. And we actually, yesterday, when we walked, we've seen them grow up over the summer. And we walked yesterday and two of them, the one couple of swans, there's only one cygnet left who hasn't flown and this signet still has the sort of grey feathers, not entirely white yet. And you've see, we've seen them appear and be tiny riding on the back of the mother swan. And then now they've left. And that's the seasons on the canal make it something different every time we go. So often we race through life without pausing to follow our curiosity. And we sort of race from one event to the next without pausing to reflect. So what can you do to enjoy the journey more, whether that's on the day of the event itself, but also in the journey of life? Number three, sometimes it's okay to give up the importance of self-care. My 50 kilometre Chilton way was perfect. It was beautiful, crisp, sunny weather. I had no injuries, not even a blister. It was a happy day in a beautiful part of the country. I was thrilled to be out after being in my house in my zone for for so long. I had enough food and water and painkillers and music and everything just worked well for me. And frankly, I was surprised when I walked under the finish sign at 50k feeling strong and energised, like I felt I could continue. But So that was one day. That was one day in my life. But back to one of the other ultras, the Isle of Wight, which I did not finish because a number of things went wrong or collided and went wrong sounds like that's a terrible experience. Some days it just does not work. So I started off wrong. I started off walking with someone whose pace was too fast for me. And that is a big mistake. Like I I pretty much, I'm an introvert, so I like being on my own anyway, but I always walk on my own because everyone has a different pace and your natural pace is super important for making sure you can have the stamina for getting through the whole trip. Now, so I I was pretty tired by even 10k because I was walking too fast. It was also really hot. We were walking the south coast uh, of the Isle of Wight. It was, I think it was maybe May or June, but it was really hot and I was sweating a lot. I had also wore the wrong socks. I'd worn socks that I'd worn in training that were not really warm weather socks. So I should have worn different socks and I also should have carried a lot more socks. And I had blisters by the 12 kilometer rest stop. And so I was tired, I had blisters and I had barely started. Not a good way to start. But I also had some family things going on, some kind of um, difficult family situation. My head just wasn't in the race. And I sat down at around sort of 19 kilometres and I I looked out to sea and I just wanted to have a cuddle with my husband. And I was tearful and I felt fragile and I was not in a great mental state for doing an ultra. So Jonathan was staying on the island and we'd gone together and he was just having a day out, lovely day out himself. So I phoned him and he picked me up and we had a really wonderful weekend exploring the area in a car. So I didn't have to walk anywhere and it was sunny and beautiful and we just relaxed and that's what I needed. I failed in terms of that ultra. In fact, that was meant to be a hundred kilometer weekend uh, and I only did, only in inverted commas, did uh, sort of 22 or something. But that weekend, it was more important 
for me to be with my husband, to feel happy and loved and to focus on self-care, both physical and mental. Like my mental health was not great that day. And there are different kinds of enjoyment and there are different definitions of success on different days. We had a wonderful weekend and I will go back to the Isle of Wight and try that ultra again another day. So it is really important sometimes to think, what do I actually need today? And not to feel concerned about dropping out or cancelling or stopping things. So is there anything that you need to give up or stop doing in order to focus on self-care, especially in this strange pandemic year when we could all use a little more self-care? The next challenge. So I've already booked some walking challenges for 2021 because the sense of accomplishment is well worth any temporary pain for these ultras. It's also a bit like anything, any kind of accomplishment or challenge that you set yourself. Once you reach a certain point, you want to push it further. So of course, there was a point in my life when I found walking 5k difficult, but over time, you can push your boundaries and push your boundaries. It's the same with the writing life. So when I wrote my first novel, Stone of Fire, it was an incredibly hard journey. You have to learn everything from scratch. And I felt an immense sense of accomplishment when I finished that novel. And again, I'm proud of every single book I've written, uh, but I've written over 30 books at this point, both fiction and nonfiction. And it is not such a big deal anymore in the same way as me like yesterday we walked 20k and it was just we went for a coffee we walked 10k for a coffee to a coffee shop and and on the canal and then walk back so 20k for a coffee a lot of people might consider that to be a bit much <laughs> but that's our Sunday morning and in the same way with a novel it's not such a big deal anymore I love the research and creation process but it's not hard as such it's still it's still work, but it's not really hard. And so inevitably, I don't feel the same high sense of achievement every time I finish a book. I'm always proud of myself, for sure. And we always have a glass of bubbles to celebrate a new book. But it's also my job. And in fact, I always have a glass of bubbles at the end of these ultras. They often, they have, it's, not, it's never very great bubbles, but when you finish that, you're like, yes, give me the bubbles. <laughs> It's also my job to write books. I write books for a living and I know how to do it. And uh, if you're interested in writing, I have a site for writers, The Creative Pen with a double N.com. And I have my other podcast, The Creative Pen Podcast, if you're interested in writing. So as I found my experience as a writer has progressed and I push my boundaries with the types of books I want to write, I've also found my experience as a walker has progressed. So doing these longer walks is about continuing to push myself and also about seeing different places and learning new things about myself and the world along the way. There are also different levels of ultramarathons and ways to make that same difference, uh, sorry, that same distance a lot harder. For example, more challenging terrain, difficult weather. I have never done an ultra on a really hilly or mountainous landscape. That would certainly be a challenge. When I try again to do the 100k, that's going to be a challenge. So every race has a new challenge and I love seeing what's possible and what I can do. And you can do more than you think. So what's your next challenge? 
then a few recommended books about walking. And these are not so much about walking ultramarathons specifically. There's a lot of books about running ultramarathons, but uh, I think walkers, a lot of walkers do longer hikes. That's what people do in these longer trails. So these books anyway about the benefits and joys of walking, and they all have chapters about longer walks. So the first one is In Praise of Walking, The New Science of How We Walk and Why It's Good for Us by Shane O'Mara. And I listened to this on audiobook. It's really interesting. We instinctively know that walking is good for us for physical and mental health, but it's great to learn more about the specifics. Second one is Wanderlust, A History of Walking by Rebecca Solnit. And this is more a series of reflections on the history of walking, as well as different famous walkers who incorporated physical practice into their creative lives. Then Walk. Tales, Trivia and Rambling Routes for Hikers by David Bathurst. This includes tips for lightening your rucksack load, which is uh, if you're going to do multi-day walking and carry all of your stuff, especially your camping stuff, this is a really good idea. As well as planning, safety and recommendations for routes in the United Kingdom specifically. And then finally, The Art of Mindful Walking, Meditations on the Path by Adam Ford. This has some practical tips, uh, but also encourages an attitude of mindfulness, paying attention to the world around you, as well as the inner experience of walking. So I hope you've enjoyed this solo episode on walking and I hope it's maybe inspired you and encouraged you to try some kind of challenge. So please do leave a comment on the show notes. You can always go to booksandtravel.page forward slash listen and you'll find links to all of the podcast episodes with the show notes and with the pictures. I always have loads of pictures and uh, I also share my pictures on Instagram at jfpenauthor if you're interested in Uh, having a look at some of my walking stuff and uh, yeah so happy walking and happy travels and I'll see you next time thanks for joining me today on the books and travel podcast I hope you found a moment of escape you can find the episode show notes at booksandtravel.page and if you enjoy thrillers set in international locations, download one of my books for free at jfpen.com forward slash free. Happy travels until next time.